Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Thanks for joining us. You might be in one of the 40 radio stations around the country. You might be listening on iTunes. You might be watching the show on YouTube, or you might be catching us at the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Thanks for being with us. Well, today we're going to talk about single-tenant net lease investment properties. This has been a very hot sector, and for a lot of good reasons. Um, also, we may have some changes in the single-tenant net lease market because of interest rates creeping up in 2015. We've got a panel of experts to talk to today about the single-tenant net lease property, what's going on, and what to expect moving forward. Please welcome my first guest. It's Nancy Miller. Nancy is Senior VP with the National Net Lease Investment Group at Bull Realty. Nancy, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Michael. Well, we appreciate it. And you know, Nancy, I know you've been in the single-tenant net lease market for a very long time. You've got a team that's, that's tracking this market and selling these properties pretty much all over the country. Now, our audience is very sophisticated uh, commercial real estate people around the country. So there may be a lot of listeners that know absolutely what single-tenant net lease properties are. We may have some investors who are looking at buying their first properties. Or, um, so if you will, briefly tell us, you know, what is the definition of a single-tenant net lease property and why is the sector so popular? Well, it's a basically a single-tenant or a single no, you have no competition. No one else is in your structure. It's one structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to have a long-term lease with probably a national credit tenant who has a corporate guarantee. You're going to have uh, a piece of land that is part of that structure, and you're going to enjoy it because it's very simple and it's easy cash flow, long-term cash flow. And it's net leased, right? And it's net lease, so you as a landlord basically are going to be doing nothing except collecting the rent. We call that mailbox money, Mm -hmm. so hence everybody likes that. Right. Okay, so as an investor, I've got a long-term lease. I've got uh, usually triple net, so I have no expenses or operating costs. So I just go to my mailbox for the next 15 years and get a check, hopefully. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. And obviously that's one reason this this sector is so popular, right? And uh, it's because of this relative safety and this long-term uh, lease. Uh, that that's is that why it's so so safe and yeah, so popular? it's it offers stable cash flow and uh, investors can diversify. They mm-hmm. can have their stock portfolio, but more and more investors want to diversify into something that's simple and easy, such as a single tenant type of real estate investment. Uh, there is, as we said, there's very little to do. It's very secure, and you know what you're getting. Right, right. And yes, you want uh, real estate in your portfolio. If you don't have it in there, you should. Real estate's a good hedge against inflation. Absolutely. Um, well, you talked about uh, the returns. What kind of cap rates uh, are you seeing on uh, single tenant net lease properties, and, and what type of volume are you seeing in the marketplace? The cap rates are hot right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we trend this, and back in 2012, cap rates for the single tenant sector that I I study and watch were around 7.6% per year in 2012. We noticed the drop in cap rates uh, in 2013 to about 7%. And then this past year in 2014, they're trending at 6.5%. So we're really seeing a decided 
decrease in cap rates, which is good for the investor because they're seeing increased value in, in their single-tenant property. And you've seen the same thing in the volume of sales? Yeah, the volume is also increasing, which uh, we, we found to be excellent for our business. We like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 2012, we saw the average uh, volume, that about $465 million in, again, our property type and, our, and what we track nationally. And in 2013, it increased again to about $685 million. And this year, in 2014, it's going to trend to well over a billion dollars. Wow. So that is a big increase. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Um, well, you, you talked about the um, cap rates, and you talked about the strength of the tenant. So one thing with single-tenant uh, net lease properties, if we're talking about credit tenants, um, you have franchise tenants, right? And then you have corporate tenants. Give us the brief definition of, of the differences there, and then, if you will, an example cap rate difference for that perceived risk of a franchise versus corporate. A, f- a franchise tenant may be a single location tenant. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, the franchisee may operate an Arby's, for example, mm-hmm. or they may be an Arby's franchisee that has 50 or 100 You're making me hungry. Locations. Could you use another? <laughs> I love okay. Arby's. You want a tire? <laughs> um, so uh, they may have a, a few or a lot of locations. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the larger they are, as the investor, you're going to feel more confident that mm-hmm. they have some critical mass. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, the corporate location is likely to be um, a corporate um, dollar store or something like that who has a national S&P, Standard & Poor's, rating very strong, so there's a corporate guarantee. So an investor may feel, I feel a little more comfortable with the corporate one. and. Uh, it, it just really depends because they're and very... how does that impact my cap rate? My, well, my I, it, it does, but there are very strong franchisees out there, too. So sure. I don't want to leave you with the impression to ignore them. But typically, the franchise cap rate, if I use a 6% franchisee cap rate for whatever that particular single tenant is, if it were a national tenant, corporate guaranteed, the cap rate may be... Uh, instead of 6%, it might be 5.75% or 5.6%. So there's a slight um, improvement or decrease in the uh, basis points because of the security of being a national tenant versus a franchisee. Yeah, and that makes sense. If you perceive a little more risk, you want a little higher return. And the other thing that's great about single tenant net lease properties that you mentioned is these long leases. And uh, so give us an example, if you will, Nancy, of a difference in cap rate or value from a uh, tenant that has a 15-year lease and then maybe a, a tenant, a property that we're buying or selling has a five-year lease. Sure. Um, and let's make an assumption in this scenario that it's a triple net mm-hmm. situation. Uh, if I have five years left on a triple net lease, obviously uh, something is going to happen in five years. Hopefully you'll renew. And hopefully if you don't renew, uh, then something else will happen, which will make me happy as the investor. So I have risk. Mm-hmm. And in that, if I'm looking at the same national credit tenant with the five years remaining, Let's make an example of it might be a seven and a half to an eight cap uh, of value at this moment in time. However, if I had 15 years left on that same triple net tenant and 
uh, always the same. I might be looking at a six and a quarter to a six and a half percent cap rate because of the length of the term remaining. Okay, so if I did that math right, it's about 150 basis points roughly. It could or more. Be, it could be even more. It could more. be 200 basis sure. points. Sure, so, sure, it could be. Okay, difference for that term of the lease. So I guess it's real important. That's probably one of the most important things if you're buying or selling single tenant lease properties is that initial term that's left and how long that, that term is, right? Absolutely. Nancy, you mentioned true triple net is, is what everyone really likes to have, but some properties are really double net, right? Can you give us the difference there? Sure. In the double net, Michael, the landlord is going to take on a little more responsibility, hence the cap rate is going to be a little bit higher or their yield is going to be better. Uh, they may take on responsibility for roof and structure, maybe parking lot. Uh, they may be also asked to pay the taxes and the insurance and get reimbursed by the, land, by the tenant. rather. And in a true triple net, they are sitting back and they're doing nothing. The tenant pays the utilities, all the maintenance. They're responsible for all repairs, taxes, and insurance directly. Um, we also we connotate that instead of having a uh, plunger, it's a lazy boy. So the landlord in a triple net is virtually doing nothing. And what is the cap rate differences uh, as an example that you might see on a triple net versus a double net? Sure. A good example would be in the dollar store arena, which we do a lot of work in. One example of uh, a double net having 10 years left on it, um, my cap rate on that might be uh, an eight or uh, seven and three quarters, eight cap rate. Um, if that were a new 15-year triple net uh, dollar store with a uh, brand new lease, that cap rate might be six, six and a quarter to six and a half percent. So there is a big difference when the landlord takes on risk or responsibility in the double net, they're going to have a higher return for it. Yeah, well, it looks like in some cases, uh, double net might be a better way to go, especially if you've got a newer building, right, where it's maybe got a brand new roof, the parking lot's new. Um, so you might not have any repairs on that in the first uh, 10 or years or so, right? All right, well, we'll stay with us. We're going to have more on the future of cap rates. You know, one of the things that could impact the single tenant net lease market is is interest rates climbing up. So we're going to look at interest rates and how that may impact the single tenant net lease market and some other factors to help you make decisions when to buy and sell. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for being with us. Today, we're talking about the single-tenant net lease investment market. My guest is Nancy Miller. She's Senior VP with the National Net Lease Investment Group with Bull Realty. And Nancy, before the break, we were talking about the future of what cap rates are going to do. And, and I know you don't have a crystal ball, but you really study this market every day. Everyone expects interest rates to climb during 2015. And uh, so what might that do to cap rates and values in the single tenant net lease market? Well, I agree that I think interest rates will slowly climb. And I think we're all prepared to see cap rates also increase, but they'll lag behind maybe six months or so to catch up. But we're going to see an increase in cap rates translated to a decrease in price for the same asset based upon today. 
So you're not expecting a one-for-one, right? So if cap, if interest rates went up a full percentage point, let's say, between now and, and, and a year from now, do you expect cap rates to do the same or just climb a certain percentage? That's a hard question. I think they, they will climb, mm-hmm. and I, I think that, you know, the Fed's life is uncertain, but you, I don't know if it's going to be a, a one-to-one ratio or not. My crystal ball's not that good. <laughs> well, we ask the tough questions <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, you do. Right? So, uh, but you do expect uh, cap rates to go up, so it uh, will uh, impact values. And it's interesting to hear you say that because I think interest rates will impact the single-tenant net lease market more than any other sector because in the single-tenant net lease market, you have some of the properties there that don't have annual escalations, uh, especially look at the drugstore tenants and things. So you may have a 20-year lease with no escalations in value. Obviously, increase in interest rates is really going to impact a property like that. Mm-hmm. And whereas you have a multi-tenant uh, property, you might have annual increases. Sure. Uh, and so that might not be as impacted because as the, you know, everybody thinks that rents are going to go up, demand's going to go up with what's going on in the economy and in real estate. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's interesting to, to hear you say that. So then putting two to two together, mm-hmm. if, if interest rates are going to climb and everyone feels like they are, it's going to impact the values of single-tenant net lease properties. I guess it's a good time to consider selling some of those properties if you're an owner. Right now is, a, is an optimal time to consider mm-hmm. selling. Uh, cap rates are at a near all-time low. So if, if you're thinking about it, don't wait a year, don't wait three years. Consider it now based upon uh, your situation and what your per- your goals are, but it is it's it's a terrific time to consider it and decide what you want to do next. Yeah, I mean you wouldn't want to be looking at this uh, two years from now and thinking about selling and and have uh, cap rates gone up one and a half percent or something um, really hurt your value. Nancy, what are some of the other factors that should impact a disposition timing for a, an owner that owns current single tenant net lease properties? Well, uh, one thing is you just uh, just asked me that occurred to me and I wanted to, to throw it in also is that we're right now in such a short supply mm-hmm. uh, so now is the time to consider optimizing uh, if you're looking at uh, selling consider that look at your also your lease terms how much how much term do you have remaining on your lease if right now you have five plus years on it it's a better time to consider selling because it's harder to sell when your lease term is shorter and it's harder for the investor who may consider buying it to get financing if there is a shorter lease term so i like to advise folks to consider selling when there is at least seven or eight years remaining on a lease term it's optimal and of course as we just mentioned cap rates are still low today we anticipate them rising so a year from now your property is a year uh, of time burnt off the lease Mm -hmm. and it's a year later what are what are interest rates doing so now Mm -hmm. or never in some cases yeah that's a great time to consider and and I think that's a good point you bring if you've got a lease right now with six to eight years left might be a good time to consider selling it because you're above that five-year point and you have the low interest rates high Mm -hmm. cap rates Mm -hmm. well Nancy let's say that I'm an investor out there I like the single tenant net lease market Uh, I like the mailbox money aspect but I don't like six percent cap rates. What are some tips for me as an investor if I'm looking for a little bit of higher yield? 
Well, uh, there are a couple ways to go with that. One is that look at a double net, as we mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. where there's a little bit more risk and a higher reward, uh, where you as a landlord may have some level of responsibility for roof and structure. That may be one way to increase your your yield or your cap rate return. Secondly, you also may want to consider a franchise or a local type of tenant who may be uncertain in the world of, you know, national credit tenantville, but there's still going to be uh, a good return. And if it's someone or a brand that you know it might be in your town and you pass them all the time, you know they have a long history, consider that because your return is going to be a lot higher. And what about looking at properties that have a short lease term? I guess that's another way to get a higher yield, right? Yeah, and and some folks can uh, will consider that. Uh, by and large, most folks don't want to. But one of the strategies that many of our uh, investors have have done is they'll take a shorter lease term. They'll go back to the tenant and they'll say, uh, "I would like to uh, extend my lease term for five years or or more. Will you do that?" And frequently, you'll know a property is is really good because the tenant will say, "Sure." Let's do it. So that gives the investor a lot of uh, comfort that they're buying a a lower uh, price, higher cap rate property, and the tenant likes the location long enough to give an early extension. Okay. And what are some ways to gauge a risk of a tenant renewing or not? So let's say I'm looking at a property and it's got three years left. I can get a really high cap rate but I don't really know if they're going to renew or or not. That's a terrific question. Uh, Many factors. One is, where's the competition related to where I am? Um, Am I in the part of town that's growing or declining? Is the current property, the prototype current size of that tenant, or is it smaller? If it's smaller and it looks like the tenant business is very robust, there may be a little risk that they're going to go buy another piece of land and build uh, if they think that they, have, with a newer, better, larger store, can can improve sales and, and so forth. Another issue is access and visibility. Mm-hmm. If for some reason um, that location is behind something, then um, the tenant will say, can I be in a better location? Or if I can make a right turn in, but I can't make a left turn out, so I'm missing part of the traffic, especially with fast food, that's an issue too. Um, maybe they don't have a drive through and they need one. So there are many factors that the tenant will consider about whether to renew and stay or not. Okay. And we're almost out of time here, but how about a quick closing tip for our listeners? Oh my gosh. How much time do you have? Well, uh, in terms of uh, sellers, just be monitoring your lease. Make sure you know what the time frames are. Look at interest rates. Look at the market today to really ask yourself a serious question. Keep it, sell now or not, given the marketplace to maximize and so forth my return. Uh, ask us about it as How well. How about as a buyer? As a buyer, um, take a look at, um, you know, an- analyze what the market is doing. Come to us or others in this industry and say, you know, help me with these leases. What's what's the behind-the-scenes stuff that I don't really know? Let's peel the onion back because there's so many questions. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, as you're talking, you know, you, you first start thinking that single-tenant net lease doesn't have a lot of moving parts. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of it. It's easy. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of devil in the details. Mm-hmm. you got to review that lease and mm-hmm. know the market. And 
uh, so great. Well, Nancy, thanks for joining Thank us today. You. We appreciate thanks you being on the show. Thanks a lot. Enjoyed it. Thank you, Michael. All right. Well, stay tuned. We're going to have more on financing and get some common mishaps and mistakes that you don't want to make when you're buying single-tenant net lease properties and when you're financing them. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Florida International University. With FIU's Fast Track system, you can earn your master's in real estate in just 10 months without interrupting your career. Visit FIUonline.com to learn more. That's FIUonline.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today, we're looking into the world of single-tenant net lease investment properties. And as you know, we like to get different perspectives on our topic each week. Please welcome my next guest, Brett Darges. He's Director of Development with Hutton. Hutton is a development, a construction company, a real estate company. They've completed over 912 projects in 35 states of single-tenant net lease properties. Brett, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me on the show, Michael. Well, Brett, as we've just heard from uh, Nancy Miller, the single-tenant net lease investment market is is still really hot with investors right now. How is this investor demand impacting the development side of single-tenant net lease properties? Well, you know, Michael, what we're finding on on the on our development side is that um, whereas in the past we would have a tendency to hold product that we would develop, um, it seems like more often than not these days. Uh, Hutton is in the business of, as well as uh, developing and building, because as you know, Hutton owns a construction company as well. Um, we're finding that uh, it be- has become very advantageous for us to then go to the investor community um, after opening the uh, various stores that we build uh, and selling in that market to the, uh, whether it's a 1031 investor or an institutional investor. So it's become much more lucrative for us than to hold on to properties for cash flow. Well, I think that's smart. I mean, if you look at the buyer demand you have right now, the low interest rates that folks can lock in, and you look at maybe the potential for interest rates rising in 2015 and how that might impact values, I think that's smart and a great idea to be thinking of considering selling some of these properties and let me ask, I know you do a lot of QSR properties, quick service restaurants. What are some of the um, factors related to QSR properties that make them a little different than others? Well, you know, Michael, some of the things that I run into that, that uh, Hutton has not uh, been involved in in the past is uh, working with the franchisees in the franchise world, in, 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 especially in QSR, um, where you typically have possibly a family that owns the company, um, and and they're, you know, they're doing this as a, as a family business as opposed to a corporation, a Taco Bell or a Burger King, uh, if you will. Um, and so it becomes a lot more personal for them, um, both the, the real estate development and, and construction of a unit. And so it takes uh, probably a little more hand-holding on the uh, side of us as a developer uh, to help them through this process. Uh, a lot of the franchisees out there are very good at doing what they do, which is making food. Mm-hmm. Um, but that development process of getting new units open, which they're, you know, quite honestly uh, required to do uh, quite often in their franchise agreements, um, they're not familiar enough with it to get it done, and, and kind of could be a little bit daunting for them. And so they will uh, really look to us much more so than corporations to 
help them through that process. I see. And what are you seeing for volume, the trend there for volumes? Are you seeing more expansion? Is it leveled out? What do you see? Uh, I, I, right now, I see a lot of uh, additional expansion going on from uh, certain, I should say, certain uh, concepts in, in the business. Um, there are, uh, the quick serve business is cyclical, like restaurants in general and, and like retail in general, but um, as certain concepts kind of quiet and, 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 you know, maybe focus more on uh, renovations and, and uh, you know, changing menus and whatnot, other, other concepts seem to uh, fill the void of the expansion. So, you know, we, we have a, a, a term called emerging brands that we use quite a bit, and, and that list of emerging brands and, and, and hot emerging brands seems to change year to year. Uh, a year maybe being the uh, the cycle. Um, and so a lot of those emerging brands might be coming up and doing two or three hundred new units in, in the uh, country, you know, where, whereas other concepts might be uh, leveling off a little bit. Do you so. expect the volume to increase in 2015? I mean, we need more product. Uh, are these, uh, we QSR? always need more restaurants. Yeah. Um, with the, the change in the, the uh, consumer's attitude towards eating out more, um, and the convenience of QSR, um, and the quality of the QSR uh, concept uh, becoming better. I think that there's there's quite a bit of, of demand in 2015 and probably 16 as well for continued expansion of that concept. What are the top three quick things that make a QSR site attractive to a tenant? Um, I think the top is going to be traffic. Number two is going to be households or rooftops. Number three is going to be uh, income. And, and with a QSR, um, all these things are much more direct. If you take a casual diner or, or even, you know, a family buffet or something like that, their, their five-mile radius become, is very important to them. A QSR really focuses on a one-mile or even in some cases a half-a-mile radius. You look at sometimes you'll see a McDonald's, you know, literally four or five blocks from another McDonald's. They both might do two and a half to three million dollars in sales. That's right. Well, Brett, well, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Michael. It was great talking to you. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on the single tenant net lease investment market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Realnex, providing a comprehensive suite of powerful commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low cost. Visit Realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us. Today we're talking about the single-tenant net lease investment market. Please welcome my next guest, Chris Marabella with Marabella Commercial Finance. He is president. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Hey, Michael. Uh, glad for. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really happy to be on the show again. And let's make sure people know how to pronounce this. Marabella, right? Marabella. Marabella. That <laughs> means beautiful it. sea in Italian. Oh, nice. And Chris, I wanted to have you on this show because I've interviewed you before. You really focus on financing on single-tenant net lease properties, and you do it all over the country. I love your focus. Can you give us some examples, uh, samples and examples of loans that you've done recently, including like loan-to-value ratios, interest rates? What are you closing out there? Yeah, I, uh, Michael, uh, during the summer coming into the fall, we did a couple Walgreen deals. 
And, uh, you know, right now financing is very plentiful for Walgreens, CVS, Home Depot, Kohl's. I like the Walmart neighborhood centers. And uh, we seem to be hitting on all cylinders, you know, at this point in the, uh, in the cycle. CMBS is good. Bank portfolio loans are good. Life company loans are good. Uh, right now for CMBS, we're seeing rates in the four to, I would say, 440 range. For a 10-year fixed-rate deal with a 30-year amortization, uh, interest only is available for those who want a little more cash flow. Uh, if for those people that are looking for a friendly prepay option, possibly a developer coming out of a construction loan or a client that uh, wants the flexibility to be able to sell the property or pay the loan down, our bank portfolio lenders are coming in. Uh, they can offer like a three five, seven, or 10-year fixed-rate deal with like a 25 to 30-year amortization, depending on the remaining lease term uh, of the tenant. Uh, right now, for three-year, I would say we're in the you know mid-threes. Our five-year is in the high three, low fours. Our seven-year would probably be right around four and a quarter, four and a half. And our 10-year fix with our portfolio lenders are right around four and three-eighths to I would say four and three quarters. Okay, and those are uh, and those are fixed rate for those terms. Yeah, those are those are fixed rate terms. We may do a ten or fifteen year term, and then they're fixed in certain durations, and then they may reset or go adjustable. Um, sometimes we can negotiate a ceiling to uh, mitigate some of the borrower's risk. Uh, some of the loans are non-recourse. Some are recourse. It really depends. Uh, the other direction some people want to do is they want to go fully amortizing mm-hmm. over the remaining lease terms so that they don't have a balloon at the end mm-hmm. and they own the property free and clear. So retenanting the property isn't a, uh, isn't a, uh, as large as a, uh, an issue with a loan balance. And the lenders like that as well, right? Exactly. The lenders like that conservative, uh, you know, structure of a loan and, mm-hmm. you know, the only risks risk remaining would be the um, the credit risk, of course. Sure. And what about loan-to-value ratios? What kind of equity are, are borrowers having to put down? You know, most of the people really aren't being constrained on loan-to-value. Where they're being constrained is on the minimum debt coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's more likely to constrain the loan amount. Um, typically, my lenders can go anywhere between 1.0 for a CTL lender to 1.3 uh, for like a, a portfolio bank or a CMBS lender or a life company. I would say loan to values could be anywhere between 50 to 100% depending on the, you know, when you look at the debt coverage ratio and well, underwriting it with, with the debt cover ratio. All right. Well, I'll take some 100% loans. I'm ready. That would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't see you don't see the 100% financing. Right. I, I, most of the people that probably could get that are developers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if they get high enough uh, cap rate and their, co- their loan constant's pretty close to that and they have a long enough lease, then that's, I guess that's a p- possibility. Yeah. I don't think you can get that, you know, just going on loop net 
<laughs> or calling your ro- your local agent, uh, you know, it doesn't really exist. Okay. And while I have you, I, I, you have a lot of experience in closing loans on these properties, and you've seen a lot of the the different challenges that people can get into. And I know the devil's in the details on these properties. What are some mistakes or gotchas that investors should look out for when they're picking an investment property? That's a great question. Um, we hear a lot of different fallacies out there. Uh, one is that that all the leases are the same, uh, that there's no landlord obligations, and as you know, that's just not true. Um, the landlord can be on the hook for roof structure, um, you know, REA, CAM agreements, a lot of different things. And you can talk to one agent, and he can give you the definition of triple net, and talk to another agent. And that other agent will, will give you a totally different definition. So you really need to look at the lease terms closely. You need to review the lease to see what that specific lease says. Um, the other gotcha is the insurance. If it's not a, a bond lease and the rent abates, uh, which is pretty common out there, you better make sure that you've got loss of rents insurance for 6 to 12 months on the accord form or the lender is going to require that. And what would that and, uh, cost you? That could, you know, lower your cash flow by, you know, I would say two to six hundred dollars a month, just estimated. Yeah. Um, but that's that's a big gotcha. The last gotcha is the uh, environmental. You always want to look at that conclusion page, and uh, just make sure that you got a clean bill of health on the environmental. All right, that's great. Those are some good tips. And we're going to take a short break here. When we get back, we'll talk to Chris some more about some other aspects of picking a property and uh, and some other financing details to help you make the right moves. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com or call 404-832-8262. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us. Today we're talking about the single-tenant net lease investment market. And my guest is Chris Marabella with Marabella Commercial Finance. They specialize in single-tenant net lease properties. And Chris, one of the things that, that some folks like to do investing in single-tenant is to look at properties that have shorter leases, have a little more risk, so they get a higher return. Can you get financing on those properties? Let's say you've got four years left on a lease. Yeah, we can. Right now we're, uh, we're doing an AutoZone cash out similar to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we're coming up with on that is a 15-year term uh, fixed for three years. And I believe we're in the... We're in the threes on that loan with a 25-year amortization. Wow, that's nice. What, yeah, what our lender will look at there is, um, you know, the quality of the sponsorship. What's the net worth of the sponsor? How many? How much liquidity do they have? If they need to retenant that building, um, on this specific transaction, I think we're at 50% loan to value. Okay. So that loan amount's pretty manageable. If somebody came to me and said, "Hey, I want 60 to 80% financing." Yeah. Um, then that sponsor is going to have to be pretty strong financially. They're going to have to have a strong net worth, a lot of liquidity. Um, the lender may come back and say, hey, we need to shorten up the amortization so that loan pays down much quicker. 
Um, so there's, there's different ways to mitigate risk for the lender, and that's where a good loan broker can uh, come up with creative ideas with the lender to, to, to structure that loan with a shorter lease. That's a good point. And uh, before we let you go here, I want to ask you uh, some tips. We like to close the show with uh, tips okay. for our listeners. Give me some tips for a buyer and investor looking into the single-tenant net lease world. Yeah, that's, a, that's great. Um, basically, one of the tips is, again, you want to really qualify. If you're doing a 1031 exchange, mm-hmm. you want an agent uh, like Michael or his people there mm-hmm. to qualify the, the different properties that you're going to ID. You're going to have three properties that you can ID. And so you want, uh, you want to screen a couple things, uh, like the environmental, some of the basic things uh, that, that could uh, preclude you from getting financing once you, uh, you know, get under contract. So you want to kind of screen certain things. Um, you, you should probably, what's another good tip? Uh, give yourself enough time uh, if you're doing a 1031 exchange, start to uh, do your research about a month before you close your down leg. Right. That way, once you close, you can hit the ground running, and uh, you'll, you'll kind of have a strategy of how you're going to identify your three and start to work with an agent about a month before and a financing person such as me about a month before. So you get all your ducks in a row. Yeah, that's a very good point. And, you know, we like to get uh, our clients when they're selling a property. So if they list a single tenant and at least property f- with us for sale and they're going to do a 1031, we like to have to start looking day one because single tenant net lease properties are are fairly liquid asset. They're easy to sell, uh, so it can happen fairly quickly. You want to get a head start on that. And then, as far as uh, financing, you know, there's a lot of demand for these properties. Some of the sellers won't give uh, buyers much time to finance. We're, we're short on the break here, but how much time do you really need to get a loan closed? I mean, I would say you know we've closed Walgreens loans as fast as 40 days. It wasn't the most comfortable process. I think you could even close deals quicker than that. Uh, normally what takes time is the SNDA, the estoppel, the insurance. you got to remember with a net lease deal, it's not you, just you, Mr. Buyer. You've got also the, the corporation, the tenant, that gets involved. So if the tenant's involved and corporate's a little slow, you know, that could slow down the closing. Yeah, that's... Uh, that- so I would say, you know... Standard, if there's no issues, 40 to 60-day closing start to finish. You probably should get yourself no less than, you know, 20 to 40-day financing contingency to get a commitment. All right, Chris, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate your insight. For more information, his website will be on the show website. Next week, we're going to talk about self-storage. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Brokerage, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. Realnex, a comprehensive suite of powerful commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low price. Visit realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Sozo Web Hosting and Cloud Solutions, secure, reliable, and worry-free. Visit sozo.com. That's S-O-Z-O.com. FIU, Florida International University. Earn your master's in real estate online in as little as 10 months. Visit FIUonline.com. And by France Media, 
providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit FranceMediaInc.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional podcasts, videos, or blogs, visit CREshow.com.